Welcome to the Fertility Podcast, where we aim to educate and empower you on your fertility journey, whatever stage you're at. I'm Natalie Silverman, a broadcaster and fertility coach, and I had my son after successful fertility treatment. And I'm Kate Davis, an independent fertility nurse consultant. We'll be your trusted guides, chatting each week with experts and people just like you to let you know you're not alone. Let's dive in. Welcome to another episode of the Fertility Podcast. Hope you've had a good week. We're we're midway in December, aren't we? And that kind of constant ringing of the door of packages being delivered seems to be happening to most of us. Has that been happening to you this week, Kate? Yeah, it has been quite a few. I remember when it was your birthday, though, it was constant ringing of packages coming to your door. <laughs> the funniest is that I've bought my husband um, some weights. Oh, you can't say that. It's just, does he listen to the podcast? No. Oh, okay. He's not going to be listening. The guy <laughs> put them on the outside of my doorstep. I forgot what they were. Reached down to get them. I was like, oh my goodness. And oh, so I had to like no. shuffle them under the stairs. You know how you have to find all your different hiding places. And I, I saw where his was the other day. It was one of the un- under the drawer beds in our spare room. And I was like, oh no, now I feel like going to have a little nose, but I'm going to be good and not... But I've got to work out how I get this heavy box of weights into the car because we're going away around Christmas. And I don't know whether to just give it him before. It's such an annoying present because it's so heavy. I feel your pain. That happens to me when I have to take delivery of our box of wine. (laughs) Oh, I wish mine was a box of wine rather than weights. (laughs) Or our box of gin, our our monthly gin box. Oh, aren't you organised? Anyway... Let's continue. Hopefully you're feeling a bit more festive. Maybe you've had Christmas parties in real life or maybe virtually because there's a bit of uncertainty, isn't there? But we're not going to be focused on that. What we're talking about in today's episode is fertility benefits. And we just wanted to kind of discuss it a little bit. We just wanted to discuss it a little bit because to set the scene, going back to 2014, I'm sure you'll remember Apple and Facebook talked about how they would fund egg freezing like 20 grand's worth and then the likes of snapchat and spotify were talking about offering more and so the conversation has been going been bubbling for about you know a good six seven years and in more recent times in america predominantly there's been a big increase in companies offering support for fertility treatment And, and the uk is a bit behind it but in the last couple of years we've definitely heard more examples haven't we we have and i think the reason why the uk are behind is that obviously we have a completely different nhs system we have a different healthcare system so clearly in america where they don't have the nhs and and we could you know, debate the the good parts and the bad parts of the postcode lottery when it comes to fertility. But in the States, they don't have that at all. So that's where fertility benefits from employers have obviously been really popular. And it's just starting to filter into the UK now. It's really interesting. And if you do a bit of research on fertility benefits, you'll hear some of the examples of banks and law firms, predominantly in the UK, that have launched quite significant schemes to cover quite significant chunks of money when it comes to fertility benefits and one of the things that I think is quite interesting is how this is really impacting on where we choose to work we've obviously been through a pandemic that has put lots of questions in what matters to us from where we work in terms of flexibility and just general mental health has become at the forefront of the conversation and we know from the conversations we've been having in the corporate space that people are looking at this as something that is important and I think it's really interesting to 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 think about at what point 
you consider that if you're at the start of your career in your early 20s I would not have in a million years have thought do they offer fertility benefits but because I didn't know about it but do you it. think we should do you think we should explain what fertility benefits are though definitely definitely because that's not always you know the word fertility benefit what does that mean you know what that doesn't really say it doesn't really tell you what's on the tin does it yeah and it varies and it totally varies from different employer but you they they have kind of various i guess packages and the very first could be that they might um provide you financial assistance in getting a diagnosis having investigations perhaps having some medical treatment as far as medicines are concerned you know maybe clomid for example then that can then go further to funding iui ivf sperm donor egg donation and then it can even go further for some organizations although definitely that in the minority in funding surrogacy adoption even have i have i missed anything out have you seen anything else that they tend to fund no well we mentioned egg freezing at the start so that's kind of obviously the, the mm. starting point that was the first yeah, one it can yeah. go all the way through from covering ivf egg freezing surrogacy and it's whether these are perks or or whether they make you feel pressured is something that I think... A bit of bribery, is it? A bit of bribery? Well, I don't know, is it? I mean, mm. when you're looking at where you want to work, and we've heard over the years of companies that have got, you know, gyms and quirky food offerings and all sorts of other well-being-related things, and there's also this conversation that people don't really care about that stuff. They want the stuff that is more holistic around their mental health, and, and these kind of things are much more appealing. And you and I certainly know how topical, you know, this fertility conversation is right now one of the ones we've heard more recently is a city law company called Cooley um, talking about offering 45 grand in terms of what they're covering for fertility treatments and they're calling it their family forming work yeah, that's a massive amount I mean that's quite mm. amazing when you think about it another example though is Clifford Chance who are offering 15,000 pounds for fertility investigations and treatments such as you just mentioned Kate IVF and ICSI and mm. the egg and sperm freezing donor egg um so it's interesting that the different ways we might need treatment is being thought about in these benefit packages. But I suppose it's how it makes you feel. And is it that you would move companies because of this? And is it once you know that you have an issue? And I think that's the the thing, isn't it? Because when you're making these decisions in your career, you might not know what you need fertility-wise because they don't necessarily go hand in hand. Does it mean that that whole education of what your fertility is needs to come into that career you know when you're when you're talking about your career options do you need to be have it spelt out okay look when you're thinking about a job you really need to look at all these other benefits I mean that would be quite if that was me with my careers teacher or me in like the early stages of my career I'd be like oh god I'm not thinking about that type of stuff yeah I just think in your early 20s it's not something that would even be on your agenda to consider so I don't know whether that would necessarily impact on your job choice at that point but definitely later on in your career when you're considering moving jobs I think that would definitely be a huge factor for women and to be honest I'm a, I'm a little bit jealous I think I need to have a word with Mr YFJ because I think I need some benefits not fertility benefits but given the fact I work from home I think I need a gym although I do have a bit of a yoga studio on the go um, oh come on <laughs> says the person who I know has just been to Tiffany on a shopping spree so surely that's a benefit 
Yeah, I suppose it is. You don't have to answer that. <laughs> Definitely go and have the conversation about more benefits. Definitely a more regular lunch service so we don't hear your tummy growling for uh, yes, most of the time. that would be quite nice. It's quite nice when he's um, working from home. I do get lunch b- um, brought to me. Actually, that's quite a benefit now that we're back into ideally working from home, aren't yeah, we? I might sadly, my other half doesn't yeah. work from home, so I don't have that perk. Now, the conversation that we're going to share with you is with a really interesting lady who is co-founder of a new fertility benefits organisation in Europe because at the moment there's a big emphasis coming from the US and it seems like they're the companies that are coming to the UK. There's a couple within the UK that are focusing on facility benefits and we might put some links in the show notes. But this organisation called Avavio, I'd heard about in a report and was keen to talk with Jenny, who you're going to hear. And she explains where the thought came from because she was actually working in Silicon Valley where the whole emphasis on egg freezing started and so you'll hear how she felt about it and I think it'd be really interesting to hear from you what you think about fertility benefits is it something that you have experience of in the workplace is it something that you'd like there to be more of in your workplace and maybe we can look at this more in the new year so do let us know we'll put the details at the end and let's hear from Jenny we're going to welcome Jenny Saft who is a co-founder of Avavio to the podcast now I found out about Vavio in a report discussing the future of fertility, which talked about them as a company which helps other companies overcome inequalities, supports all employees in family planning and helps individuals to thrive in their careers with a comprehensive fertility benefits platform. And I thought, hello, we need to speak to Avavio. So Jenny, welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me. And I know that you're a new new company and we're really keen to hear more about Avavio. But first of all, before you share the mission of of your organisation, let's talk about your own experience because I know that it started with conversations when you were in San Francisco about egg freezing. So can we talk about what was going on with you? Yeah, sure. Basically, I'm I mean, I, I'm German. I started my career in Germany, but then um, after a while, I really decided that I wanted to learn more and, and see more and kind of moved to San Francisco, did my MBA there and really got caught up in the startup scene. And of course, I think when you are in San Francisco, you see like this whole topic of like reproductive treatments, it might it be egg freezing or IVF, it's so much more or less uh, stigmatized. I think it's, it's so much more normalized over there. And yeah, when I came back to Europe and started working at a, at a fintech company over here and I really enjoyed it, I also kind of thought about like my own life because I mean, the time went by, I really, I really enjoyed working working um, but suddenly it was 2019 I turned 32 no partner also didn't see myself with kids anytime soon uh, and at some point I thought hmm, what am I doing with the money I earned so far I probably invested in myself and freeze my eggs and then so went to my gynecologist and really said like look I want to do this how do we start and then she looked at me and was really like um, uh, yeah. so I, I think you have to find a fertility clinic like almost whispering it was like a really awkward situation um, and I think at that point I realized that I actually also had no idea idea how it works what it costs where I need to go and even though I consider myself a highly educated woman I had no clue and even then like in the process when I finally found a clinic I was kind of frustrated with the doctors you know doctors never learn to have a proper sales conversation you pay like several thousands of euros or pounds and it's just like you know they don't I don't know, there's no service level included in this whole experience. So I kind of complain a lot uh, to my friends mostly. And I have a lot of founder friends here in Berlin as well. And at some point said, Jenny, stop complaining, do something about it. If you're not doing it, someone else will. And so that kind of was uh, like how Oviavo was born or the idea for Oviavo was born. And am I right in saying that initially the idea was to help women fill in the gaps with this? You were directly dealing with women who might be wanting to do what you were trying to, f- to work out how to do? 
do. Exactly. Because, I mean, we had no idea of the market and we kind of needed to learn, like, also the dynamics of the different, you know, what are, like, uh, patients, really, what do patients really need? What are the challenges of the clinics? So we really built the business uh, B2C uh, around egg phrasing for women. Uh, and basically, really, as you said, like, filling the gaps, like, do the consultations the way, the way I would have wanted it back then. Um, and we realized that this was really helping. And a lot of people really, like, our thesis was we think that a lot of women are interested in that topic and kind of that we, we could really prove that it's so clear once you hit 30 like it's like most women it's top of mind it's like if you don't even not if you don't have a family yet like it's something you want to do and you want to have you know want to know options or choice uh, in that sense so it, having someone that kind of takes you by the hand and really guides you through your options and the process it, it's it's worth so much and can you tell us Jenny a bit more about what your organization is hoping to offer the companies that you work with yeah so I mean maybe like I'm switching we we started as b2c but then really moved into b2b because we saw like this huge trend coming from the US and also realized that we can have a much bigger impact going B2B. So not only just egg freezing for women, but kind of all types of reproductive treatments. So is it preservative like egg or sperm freezing, uh, all things IVF, but then also expanding it to adoption and surrogacy, um, at least in those countries where it's allowed. Um, and basically what we do, if a company uh, decides to work with us, all their employees um, get access to our platform. And in the beginning we go a little bit through an onboarding questionnaire because we want to want to know like what's your age uh, or your gender do you want to have a child now or later do you have a partner or not is it, is it a same-sex partner or not because based on these answers you have different options and really like we th the way we build Oviavo is that it's a three-step approach and that the number one step is what we call know your options because most people are not even aware of their options you know if you ask women do you know that at age 35 95% of your Excel reserve is gone they're like shocked because no one told them ever before. If you ask a same-sex couple, do you know what your options are to start a family maybe in the country you live in, but maybe also abroad? Um, and so the list goes on and on. And so what we do, we really um, narrow down these options and kind of explain you like what um, the treatments look like, what the success rates are, like what the costs are and so on. And then the second part of our solution is what we call find the right partner. Because a lot of your options probably have to do with a fertility clinic or an agency when it comes to things like adoption or surrogacy. And basically, what we do is like we say you can go to any clinic that's accredited in your country but we help you to understand which clinic is right for you because like the thing we also realized and what we saw is that um you know like people at some point they understand that they need to go to a clinic but then okay let's say you live in london in london there are 20 clinics where do you go uh, and then most people start googling Uh, and then you probably end up with a clinic that's ranked first. Um, that's maybe the clinic with the highest marketing budget, but that's not necessarily the best clinic for you because maybe you have PCOS or endometriosis or you're over 40 or you had already several miscarriages or you're a same-sex couple. So we basically narrow down and, and really build this like database for us so we can help you narrow down your individual list based on your own criteria. Um, and then we provide you with a curated list of clinic suggestions. We make you the first appointment if you want to and also kind of guide you through this whole process. And then the last part of our solution is what we call the reimbursement process. It's optional for companies, um, but they can decide um, if they want to provide you with a certain 
virtual budget that you can use towards these treatments. 5K, 10K, 20K, whatever you, what the company feels comfortable with, because eventually you will get an invoice from a clinic or an agency. And then you can upload that invoice to our platform. We check it and make sure there's no fraud. So the name is correct. The clinic exists. The treatment is legal in the country you're in. And then make sure that the money gets paid out to your bank account based on the budget that's available to you. So, I mean, brilliant in terms of getting it to your clinic. We know how expensive this whole process is. And we know that that accessibility is is part of the problem when it comes down to cost. So when it comes to the conversations with the, the companies, what kind of concerns have you had? Because we know that there's been conversations in the press about organizations, big organizations. You know, we were talking about um, Silicon Valley and um, the likes of Google and Facebook who, you know, openly spoke about what they were doing to support uh, their employees and then how that is then perceived. Have you heard fears from companies that if they start to roll this out or are they embracing the opportunity to better support their employees? No, there's definitely a lot of fear. I, I don't know where it comes from, but I am. I mean, I know where it comes from because, I mean, if you look back to like where it started, how it started at, at uh, in the U.S., it was like Facebook basically in 2014 and they announced it and suddenly it was all this like bad media press saying like, oh, now Facebook wants a woman to work even yeah. longer and kind of like to to uh, for them to not have kids. And I think this was the completely wrong narrative. Totally. I think what companies do when they offer fertility and family forming benefits, it's basically saying we want you to have children we don't care when and how and with whom but we have your back and i think this is a super strong message there's a lot of like twists uh, around this topic it's just because it's you know it's like an ethical thing it's like a lot of people don't have like an opinion yet or don't know kind of uh, how to how to deal with it and i think it's a problem but it's also our job to help them uh, get the story right in their heads we're pan-european providers so it's also a very complex topic that we're talking about but every country has a accreditation kind of like institution um, so there's a lot of information there um, but then we also go in each and every country we try to talk to as many doctors as possible to patients to fertility coaches uh, healthcare experts in that system to really get a better uh, overview of of like the market and that doesn't mean you have to talk to every clinic you get quite a good idea of uh, what the market looks like uh, when, when once you talk to like five six seven uh, people in that space that they all know each other I mean it's a it's a small kind yeah. of uh, network and this is a really good starting point and this is a lot of times it's it's information that you can't google it's something you have to know and you have to be in that space yeah i mean absolutely. it's like a concierge service in essence isn't it for the, the the end user but you're providing the company with this assured well-researched product ultimately exactly that that is what because like you say I mean we talk about it all of the time about how Dr Google is your enemy and that's why the fertility podcast exists because <laughs> we want to bring credible evidence-based information because there's right. such overwhelm and I think the fact that you're then putting it in the context of and your employer can support you with this like we've said the big hurdle for so many people is oh my goodness how much is this going to cost you know I, I just can't afford it and the whole narrative that we're having about the workplace when we know how much time we spend in the workplace it's important for the for these two things to align. And I know you've talked about on your website, uh, there's a really interesting stat about, about the US um, market, how about 30% of companies with more than 500 employees are already offering benefits. Is this change happening quick enough in Europe? I mean, you know, you said 
people were saying to you do something about it and that's obviously you know the motivation for for, for what you're doing because we are quite far behind aren't we absolutely we are far behind but it's also because the healthcare system in the US is is completely different than here right it's like the the healthcare system is really shitty in the US i worked there it's like company all, companies always had to kind of fill the gap and take care of of employees um, healthcare so it was a much more natural development over there so i think what happens in europe right now is more it comes more from the diversity and inclusion angle for many companies i mean a like the european employees start complaining because uh, like why should why are they not supported but in the us they are it's it's about biological uh, differences it's about like also you know sexual orientation if you look at like how the the healthcare systems uh, in europe are kind of set up it's also it's like insane right i think in most european countries now it's still not there but a lot of european countries at least provide access to everyone to like to certain treatments so but there's still a lot of discrimination happening for for same-sex couples for example or singles but it also kind of like what you can see almost in every country is discrimination f uh, when it comes to financial support i always say this like in most countries you still have to be married in a heterosexual relationship be under 40 to get access to financial support and it's like who says I need to be married to start a family? And who says I need to be married to a man to start a family? It's a very like old school view of the world. Or, or who um, says, and I, think this says is like, I need to be a woman to have a baby? Yeah, yeah. no, absolutely. Okay. Yeah, and it's and I think this is like where companies really can go in and say like, hey, I do not agree what's happening, what the governments are kind of doing here because it doesn't make sense. Most of these regulations do not make sense at all. They were kind of just implemented 30 years ago, probably by some like an no offense, but old white man, whoever's listening to this. I don't but, think we have uh, many old there's... white men listeners, to be honest. But it's but I think this is like it's about to change. And this is like for a company to say, like, uh, we don't agree with this, but we want to kind of like provide like a uh, we can't change it all, but we want to provide at least the same type of access to everyone. If that means like guidance, information, or financial support, um, and I think this is a is a beautiful thing also for companies, especially the ones that are kind of fighting for talent in in that space, and they really need to kind of yeah come up with creative ideas to to attract the best talent. And I think you know just what you're saying there, Jenny, about equity and access to treatments in the UK. I think there's growing dissatisfaction over the postcode lottery, as we call it, where where some CCGs, some trusts will provide three rounds of NHS funded IVF, some two, some one, some zero. And with this growing dissatisfaction, I'm certainly seeing from my patients that they actually don't want to wait. They don't want to wait because there's a huge waiting list for COVID, but also they they just feel that this is not fair. And if they've not been given access, they what they feel that they need to find their treatments in another way, whether it be through funding it privately or potentially employers. But I just wanted to pick up on what you just mentioned there about talent. So keeping talent is something that, and, and attracting talent is something that I talk to a lot of the organizations that I work with because it's all well and good looking at productivity and profitability, but if you can't attract the talent and keep the talent in the first place, you know, you, you're doomed. And we know from a lot of research that 19% of employees will leave their employment due to their fertility struggles or will certainly reduce their hours which you know presents a huge organizational challenge doesn't it to companies you kind of again highlight the importance of becoming a talent magnet and retaining the top notch leaders do you think that organizations realize how important these well-being benefits are to individuals or do you think they're not just not getting it <laughs> 
it, that, that depends. I think there is a range of companies, mostly the tech companies or what you mentioned earlier, the, 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 the financial institutions, law firms. I think especially the ones that really need these like high skilled workers, they feel it. And they know they have to do something because they also have this huge gender issue <laughs> in in most cases. So they really, I think for them, it's like the, the last resort, they have to do something. But it, it also depends on like where you, where you look into companies. Like I think f we learned a little bit the hard way that Germany, for example, is probably not the best way to start with our product. But then in the UK, I think the mindset of most companies is much more open. I think it's because also if you think about where the European headquarters of most US tech companies are, it's either in London, Dublin or Amsterdam. And I think this is also where where we see that the, the mindset is, is much more advanced. And most companies also start implementing this like role of benefits managers. This is, is also a new thing, right? And it's like we were in London a few weeks ago attending the Employee Wellbeing Congress and just seeing that this is a co completely new dynamic. I mean, employee benefits was like back in the days, it was about like pension funds and like how can we, you know, if, if employees stay with us forever, like how can we make sure we provide them something? And now it's like, okay, the uh, fluctuation in companies is also increasing. So people stay maybe two, three, four, maybe five years. So you kind of have to provide something more short term as well. So there's a whole dynamic in, on the benefits side as well. But yeah, we definitely see that uh, in the UK, there's a much more or like a higher demand or openness towards these type of, of uh, benefits. And one of the things that we're doing with the Fertility Matters at Work program is saying to companies, we're looking to get 100 companies to become fertility friendly. We're doing this kind of certification for organizations who have adopted this training and are implementing this type of support from a training for line managers and HR professionals, but also that peer support and that understanding of all the different ways that, you know, the many ways that fertility treatment is needed is affecting a workforce so that they stay because we know that even the cost of recruiting compared to the cost of retention is, is significantly different. And we're interested to see whether people are wanting to step up and say, okay, yeah, the time is now when there's been all this narrative around mental health and menopause. Are you feeling that even though we're talking about the dynamic nature maybe of the UK market are you feeling that there's still any resistance to it though even though we know how important it is we've got we've had I mean the menopause thing is is huge in the UK to be honest we just had world menopause day at the time that we're speaking and there's so many companies you know openly talking about what they're doing which is amazing it's definitely paved the way for fertility exactly. hasn't and it? you were just talking about that 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 congress that you were at um i mean i i'm sure that didn't exist a couple of years ago and and even like you say this this job role for benefit managers i mean we're talking um as as well to kind of you know those types of people to get this on their radar but there is still resistance in that we know that companies who are even adopting it aren't necessarily talking about it because they don't see it that important or they might have a policy but the fertility treatment part might be in elective uh, surgery alongside cosmetic surgery so that understanding or worse still in a maternity policy that's where i've seen it sit oh how mm. awful is that how do you feel that yeah. the people are kind of you know are, are taking this on i mean i have to say like the companies that we talk to i think if they want to implement it um 
they also want to communicate it properly. Our focus is really like tech companies, a matter of like we're a small team and we need to choose like which battles we want to fight right now. Um, and so we, we'd rather want go to the to the companies that also really want this because it's usually not enough to implement fertility benefits and then you think, okay, you can, you can check off the box. It's like, it's something really that needs to be ingrained kind of like in the culture. Most of the companies that we talk to, they understand it. They also kind of bring up themselves like employee resource, uh, resource groups and things like that. But I think it's more the type of companies that we talk to because we're really in the tech space and they, they know like if they put money onto this, they also need to make it yeah. work for them or, or leverage it for, for their own purpose. And it's important not just to, to kind of focus on this one time, but to actually keep this as a live thread that's going to be going throughout because of how long yeah, the people exactly. going through it have to go through it. It's, it's not going to be over quickly exactly. for them often. No, there's no point just doing one webinar. You know, you need to continue with that focus. A lot of organisations that I work with have set up peer support groups, which is fantastic because then there's always that little bubble of fertility being discussed about, which is absolutely the way it should be. Otherwise, it can it's, it's such a Cinderella subject anyway, and it will just get swept under the carpet and forgotten about if we don't keep it right. fresh. When we onboarded our first beta customer um, earlier this year, um, like, like one, like we had a really, it was such a eye-opening moment because like we basically announced a program because it was also a medical travel company and they kind of had a lunch and learn session about infertility and they basically had like I don't know 15 minutes about like what are, what is infertility and like what are the treatments and then they brought in like someone from their team and she was talking about like her failed IVF uh, cycles and how painful this was and she was showing pictures and kind of she had like she was bruised all over her body and kind of like and still after three rounds it didn't work out and then basically the CEO said okay this is so important to us and do you see like how crazy this is and everyone in the company was like really emotional and kind of supporting mm -hmm. her and then it's eventually she uh, they said okay and in, 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 in order to change that in the future and kind of to provide you all with better access we're going to roll out um, Oviavo uh, so everyone has access to, to fertility benefits and it was such a nice moment because it made the yeah. whole thing more tangible for people and I think this is the one thing we, we always kind of recommend it's like find people even though it is so stigmatized find people in your organization that have gone through it and are willing Absolutely. to share because it, it it makes the whole conversation so much more tangible and and better like if you want to roll and the out. sad thing there is nothing better than that employee story that just right. really hammers home the situation and makes people sit up and take notice and, and also I the sad thing agree. is is that every organization that we've spoken to who have done exactly what you've said have said it was like opening a can of worms how many people came forward and said oh my yeah. goodness this happened to me and when we know the stats around pregnancy loss you know one in four and we know that it's potentially one in six one in seven couples individuals mm -hmm. affected by you know what the world health organization term as a disease when we talk about infertility mm. the sad truth is is that there are a lot more people than speak about it so i love that you're experiencing that already okay. because we definitely have seen how important that lived yeah, experience and that's what we're incorporating in all the work that we're doing from an educational point of view is real life stories of accounts of people who saying this is how it made me feel this is the impact it had you know my my bot my line manager told me i was committing career suicide for trying to have a family or you know ridiculous comments that people have to then deal with they didn't understand why I didn't want to disclose because I didn't want to be overlooked for this job that job there's all these nuances that is part of the conversation not just the ins and outs of the treatment as well 
Yeah, totally. And, and I think just to add to that, I think, I mean, you probably have the same thing, but I always say, say like, I wish sometimes people could see the, the world the way I see it, because like, I'm so deep in this topic. So everyone tells me their story, yeah. even though they haven't even told their best friend or their parents or like whatsoever. And just like, and suddenly you see like how many people are affected. It's crazy. Um, but like from a, I think from a, from a corporate perspective, you don't see it because like people don't come to you in HR and say like, oh, I'm struggling with, I'm struggling with this. Uh, and so it's just such a weird kind of like inequality in like what's happening and what people kind of uh, think it's happening. Yeah. So it's uh, two co-founders yeah. that I work with on Fertility Matters at Work have 20 years HR experience between them. They never have had anybody come to them with the problem that we're now asking for people to come forward and talk about. Yeah, and I found that initially talking to HR departments is a bit of a challenge because at first I got this pushback of saying, but we've not had anyone come to us saying that that, that they're concerned about fertility. Exactly. So that's exactly what I've gone back going, yeah, but that's because they're not talking about it. But it's all happening because here are the stats. You can't argue with the figures. So therefore, if you look at your department, if it's one in six, one in seven individuals struggle with fertility, how big is your department? Because then you can work out how many will actually be struggling. I mean, we also on that on that note, we also kind of tried a little bit um, going through employees as well, because I mean, there's data in the US and I mean, the US companies have done a great job, but it's also people are more open to talk about it. But they say like usually 60% of companies that implemented fertility benefits did so because someone like an employee asked for it. And so we're kind of trying to take that message and kind of reach out because we started B2C. So we had like a huge database of people that we can reach out to. We kind of went through that channel as well and said like, hey, if you want, if you're interested, I mean, you can kind of give us the contact details of your of your HR person, and we reach out to them for you, or in your name, or anonymous, whatever whatever you prefer. And that also opened a few doors. But it's like people still are very reluctant to talk about this thing. And I know that we could talk for much longer, Jenny. But thank you so much for explaining all that you're doing, and and good luck with it. Thank you. No, thanks so much for having me. I I think this is something that is maybe slightly dry if it's not relevant to you when you're at work I mean it's not not something for me as a self-employed person that you know I've ever experienced but like I said at the start get Mr Fertility Body on the case for your your perks (laughs) I would like to know what you think whether this is a conversation that you'd like explored more on the podcast what more we could do to kind of help you get your head around it just in the whole workplace conversation really whether it's something that you've got any awareness of because we're heading towards the end of our fertility matters at work focused podcast before we have a break for crimbo we will revisit it again in 2022 but you can still let us know your experiences as you have been doing all you need to do is go to the fertilitypodcast.com website and leave us a little message don't forget to subscribe to the podcast because at the end of this series we will be having a little break you can do so in your favorite podcast app and you can follow me at fertility Poddy on social and me at your fertility nurse thank you as always for your support and until the next time 